Well, good morning, church. How are you today? Would you stand and worship with us today? Wave across the room at somebody. Let them know you're glad they're in church today.
Father, for the things you've done, the things that are coming our way. We love you, we love you, we love you. Amen.
worship you, we worship you, we worship you. so good to us thank you for your mercy thank you for your compassion the compassion that Jesus had when he saw the multitudes when they fainted and they were scattered as sheep having no shepherd he had compassion on them he had compassion on them they were out in the wilderness leading listening to him teach they hadn't eaten and he had compassion compassion on the sick and oh father you talked about in the Old Testament how even sometimes it said something like it see how it goes either even mothers even sometimes mothers will forget their children blows our mind but it says yet will I never I will not forget thee for your mercy your compassion is so great Lord open our eyes our eyes and our hearts to the love of God the goodness of God the compassion of God toward each of us Lord and we receive of it hallelujah compassion of the Lord we worship you for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The sick came to Jesus and they just said, Lord, have mercy on me. And he had compassion on them and healed them. So we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your compassion poured out, O oh Lord. We receive of it. We worship you for it. Hallelujah. In Jesus' precious name, if you can agree with that, say amen. Amen. All our lives he has been faithful. Hallelujah. Thank God for his goodness to us. Amen. Praise the Lord. We're going to dismiss the children at this time to their class. They can go line up in the back. And then uh, before you're seated, if you want to greet several people sitting around uh, them, around you. Give them a warm welcome and God bless you. And for those of you who are worshiping with us today and have joined us on Facebook and YouTube, we're so glad that you're you're with us that way. Glad you can be with us. and We know you're going to be ministered to today. Amen. Thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for his presence as we gather together. Uh, it brings strength, doesn't it, when we gather together? It certainly does to me. When we worship him and lift our voices together 
and gather together, it brings encouragement and strength. Thank God that we have that opportunity. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you are worshiping with us today for the first time, if you wouldn't mind to fill out a connect card in the seat that would be in front of you and just drop it in the offering today, uh, we would like to know that you are here with us. We're glad that you're here. And as always, if you need to communicate with us in any way and you can't reach us, always you can reach us through those connect cards. Praise the Lord. This Tuesday night at 7 p.m., ladies, we're going to have our Bible study. We're going to continue our study on Kenneth Hagin's books, tongues, book, Tongues Beyond the Upper Room. We have really had precious times. I look forward to this each month. Uh, we laugh together. We eat a little bit. We study the word. And then we have had some wonderful, wonderful times of prayer. Amen. So um, if you uh, have joined us before, just a reminder, it's this Tuesday night. If you've never been with us, we would like to invite you to come join us at 7 o'clock. Amen. And then we want to let you know, uh, we have some things that's coming up for our both our youth and our children this summer. Our Vacation Bible School is next month, June 27 through 29. And um, we just put this up on the website, uh, I think it was week before last. And um, we had a bigger response from the community and people we don't know than we have had before. So we're just really grateful for that. We look at it as a real opportunity to um, reach out and to minister to families outside of our church. And then I just want to thank our church family. We have had a wonderful response of people volunteering to help us with this too. God is so good. We have the best church family. So thank you to all of you who have um, said that you can help us out. We really appreciate it. We know it's God's going to bless it. It's going to be good. And then you Youth camp is, oh, I don't even know, June 22nd through 25. So they're going to do a new thing this year. They've rented this amazing house. My daughter, at, somewhere out in the, somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, and the, this house has got like a pool table. What? It has a bunch of stuff in it. It's like heaven for teenagers. It has a you don't, uh, anyway, my daughter was looking it up. Mom, I think this is the house. It has its own pool. Is it an indoor pool or outdoor pool? And an indoor pool. It's this big mansion. And so they're going to be there. And um, there's rooms that have game things in them. So it's going to be amazing. And um, they have wonderful times together as a youth group, but also in the Lord and with the Lord. So um, we, a lot of our youth will bring their friends to this. And so um, anyway, if you have youth or you know of youth, they are welcome to uh, come to this as well. And then our, we don't have any information. They can sign up online, of course. And then we don't have signups. We will have it this week, but we're gonna just as an FYI, have our kids camp here at the church this year in July, July 12 and 13. It will be here at the church. And um, um, we'll get some information out uh, this week for those of you who are parents. But we have a fun uh, and um, meaningful, hallelujah, for uh, summer planned for our children and our youth this year. Amen. Um, we're going to ask the ushers to come uh, and we're going to receive our offering. Praise the Lord. You can find offering envelopes there in the seats around you. You can give electronically. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord. 
Thank the Lord. Let's pray as we give today. You have been good to us, Lord. You have been faithful. And we thank you. And so we bring our tithes, we bring offerings to you to worship you, to honor you. We thank you that you take care of us. We walk in the peace of God. We cast our cares over on you because you care for us and you have compassion for us. Hallelujah. Make us a blessing in every way, Lord. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Family, after you've had the chance to give, would you stand and worship with us again this morning? So 
Isn't it good to have a Father who loves you that you can stand on His Word, on His promises? Hallelujah. Is your faithfulness and I will rest in your promises, my confidence. Oh, is your faithfulness, I will rest in your promises, my confidence. Is your of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. If you have your Bibles, you can turn together with us to James chapter 1. I grew up in a Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, among people that loved God with all of their hearts. I was in the um, Sunday school class of the Baptist church up until I was about 15 years old. But the Lord dealt with me and uh, directed me to attend Bible school, Rhema Bible Training Center, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or just outside of the city of Tulsa. And when I got to Bible school, one of the things that, um, that I recognized was that Brother Hagen spent a lot of time on scriptures and 
parts of the Bible that I had never um, really studied, didn't know much about it. James chapter 1, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I remember the first time that Brother Hagin spoke on this passage of Scripture and read verse 22 in a service that I was in. And I remember thinking with the time I'd spent in the Baptist church and my church experience, both denominational and uh, also Pentecostal, I'd never heard anybody talk about doing the word. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. This glass he's talking about is a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh unto the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. So I want to talk to you this morning about being a doer of the word. Notice that he makes a comparison to looking at yourself in a mirror when he's talking about being a doer. The hearer of the word is like a man that beholds his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. I had a little bit of experience with Brother Hagin's teaching. Somehow or another, I don't know if somebody gave it to me or just how it happened, but I had a, a tape series, cassette tape series. I, I think they call it the Faith Classics series. And so I had heard Brother Hagin teach a little bit on the subject of faith. And in that series, it identifies some of the things that we use our faith for, specifically healing and provision. But that was all I had. That was as far as my experience went with, with uh, Brother Hagen. And when we got to, when Bible school started, one of the first things they did is they gave you the, the list of books that they'd be teaching from throughout the year. And among some other books that they gave us, they gave us a whole set of Brother Hagin's books. And boy, I devoured those. I started reading about it and everything that, that was in the books. And the joy that it brought me it's hard for me to explain because I was reading about things that I, I didn't really have any experience in 
But just being the word itself just thrilled me. I guess prior to that time, I could be called a hearer, but not a doer. I would see things in the, in the scripture that would reveal who I was in Christ. But just like you can't assimilate everything in one, in one setting, some of the things that I was reading and studying got away from me. And it was because I was going my own way. I was in the will of God at Bible school. That much I knew. But I was such a spiritual baby in so many areas. I thought I'd given myself over to God completely. But as time went on, I saw that there were areas in my Christian walk that I hadn't turned over to the Lord. I was still trying to work things out myself. This was about 1979, so there wasn't any such thing as the internet. But over a period of time, as the Lord would bring to my remembrance and understanding, I would begin one by one to turn these areas of my life over to the Lord. And what I really mean by that is that I accepted, committed myself and accepted what the word said about me no matter what I thought about me I came to accept and understand that the word of God is the perfect law of liberty and if your way is committed to the Lord then as you see who you are, see yourself and see who you are in that perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. The hearer sees what he is, but he has his own way that he's committed to. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of this, the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. It seems to me, you judge this for yourself, but it seems to me that most of the church world, if they read the scripture about being a doer of the word, they wouldn't know how to do it. But one thing that I like about how the Holy Ghost used James 
to talk about this. Verse 26, if any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, this man deceives his own heart and his religion is vain. He added in the most simple and single principle concerning the word of God when he makes mention of the tongue, the operation of the tongue. Turn with me to Mark chapter 6. We have some some examples. of people that were hearers of the word and not doers. Mark chapter six, verse one, and he went out from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue and many hearing him were astonished saying, from whence has this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Folks, notice the, the words that are used in this. The people that heard him were astonished, saying, from whence or where has this man these things? And what wisdom is this that is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Notice the connection between the miracles and wisdom. Verse three, is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon and are not his sisters here with us and they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. Verse five, and he could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folks and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief and went about round about the villages teaching The first time I saw verse five, it was a, a tough pill for me to swallow. And he could there do no mighty works. Jesus, the son of God on the earth, could not, doesn't say wouldn't, it says he couldn't, could not do any mighty works there. I guess I still had enough denominational influence that I thought that if Jesus, because he was the son of God, if Jesus wanted to do anything, he could. Yet here's a passage of scripture and it's reiterated in in Luke chapter four and Matthew chapter 13, I believe, are the two out of the... uh, two other accounts of this same story. And it says it virtually the same way in each of them. He couldn't do anything because of their unbelief. Now they'd heard him. Each of the accounts, the gospel accounts, identifies that Jesus was teaching them. Luke even tells us what he taught. He taught from Isaiah 61 
the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach, to heal, to deliver. But in Capernaum, uh, I'm sorry, in Nazareth, in his own hometown, because they knew him, knew his past, and there was nothing in his past that would have convinced them that Jesus was the Son of God or the Messiah sent to the earth. And they thought they had a good, reasonable argument for why he could not be the anointed one or the Messiah who was anointed. So here Jesus goes to his own country, his own hometown. He said he was anointed when he read from Isaiah in the synagogue, but they wouldn't accept it. Now, there were other times where Jesus cursed cities because they wouldn't accept him either. He cursed the city of Capernaum. He cursed the city of Chorazin and the city of Bethsaida. And he said pretty much the same thing about all three cities. He said if the miracles that had been done in these cities had been done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they would have repented. But let's look at the other side of it and see who See some examples of people that were doers of the word and did act on what they heard. Mark chapter 5. We'll start in verse 21. And when Jesus was passed over again by ship to the other side, much people gathered unto him, and he was nigh unto the sea. And behold, there came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and besought him greatly, saying, My little daughter lieth at the point of death. I pray thee, come and lay thy hands on her, that she may be healed and she shall live. And Jesus went with him, and much people followed him and thronged him. And a certain woman, which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had had, and it was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, she heard of him. When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. And she heard of him and did something. When she heard of Jesus, she must have heard of, his, uh, of the fact that he was healing the sick, because that's what she had faith for. Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word. So what she heard about Jesus had to include healing. She may have heard that whoever Jesus touched was made whole because she had faith to touch him. 
When she had heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Notice she began to say something. When she heard of Jesus, she began to make a confession. That if I can just touch his clothes, I'll be whole. And then she went out and acted on that and caught up to Jesus and touched his garment. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. In other words, the disciples answer him in verse 31 that a lot of people are touching him. Jesus mentions that one person did, but their response is that everybody's trying to touch him. And many did successfully, but it didn't trigger the power in the same manner that it did when the woman with the issue of blood touched him. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Now every time the Bible identifies the operation of faith, it identifies the spoken word. You remember when Jesus was explaining how the fig tree died in Mark chapter 11, he explains to the disciples that it was faith, the operation of faith that did the work. And he said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, that's what this woman did. She spoke what she had faith to receive. When she heard of Jesus, she began to say, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And he said unto her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. The confession that she was making changed an incurable and impossible situation into an event of healing. Faith takes things that are impossible to us and brings them into the realm of possibility. While he yet spake, there came one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, and certain which said, Thy daughter is dead. Why troublest thou the master any further? As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto the ruler of the synagogue, Be not afraid, only believe. Now, he didn't tell him to believe something different than what he was already believing. He's simply encouraging the man not to change his confession. He's already spoken to Jesus what he believes will take place if he'll come and lay hands on his daughter. So Jesus just simply says, don't let this shake your faith. Don't let the change in the circumstance 
change what you say. Folks, this is a great example of the way that the devil works. He tries to keep you from confessing the word, but he can't stop you. If you choose to believe what Jesus said about this thing called faith, even if the circumstances change for the worse, it doesn't change anything about what you've already believed. So Jesus answers him and says, be not afraid, only believe. And he suffered no man to follow him, save, save Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And he came to the house where the ruler of the synagogue lived and seeth the tumult and them that wept and wailed greatly. And when he was come in, he said unto them, why make you this ado and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel I lost my place here. Okay, let's pick up in verse 39 again. And when he was come in, he said unto them, Why make you this to do and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the damsel and them that were with him and entered in where the damsel was lying. And he took the damsel by the hand and said unto her, Talitha Kumai, which is being interpreted, Damsel, I say unto thee, arise. And straightway the damsel arose and walked, for she was of the age of 12 years. And they were astonished with a great astonishment. And he charged them straightly that no man should know it and commanded that something should be given her to eat. Now here's two examples of people that heard of Jesus. It doesn't say that either one of them heard him minister, but they heard about his ministry. The woman with issue of blood turned an incurable condition. into a, a condition where she was restored to divine health simply by hearing of Jesus and beginning to say what she believed. Jairus did the same thing. He had information about Jesus that caused him to say, that if Jesus would come and lay hands on his daughter, she'd live. Well, then he must have heard about healing through the laying on of hands because that's what he had faith for. And his faith conquered the worst circumstance that we could imagine when it came to the well-being of his daughter, he started off believing that Jesus would heal his daughter through the laying on of hands. 
but he wound up believing that Jesus would raise her from the dead. We've got another situation over in Matthew chapter 8. There was a crippled man, a leper that came to Jesus and said, Master, I believe you can heal me if it's your will. Establishing the will of God concerning healing of the body is the most foundational and the most common objection that the devil tries to raise in our minds. And this man had heard of Jesus' healing ministry to such a degree that it convinced him that Jesus had the power to heal but he didn't know if Jesus was willing to. But Jesus was instantly moved with compassion and reached out toward him and said, I will be thou clean. And his leprosy disappeared. He was restored to divine health. Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils, and he cast out the spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. 
He healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Now, folks, when Jesus fulfilled that that Isaiah had prophesied in Isaiah 53, Jesus fulfilled that by going to the cross, not by his healing ministry. But there's something that was fulfilled here as identified in verse 17. Now, what did Jesus do that fulfilled Isaiah's prophecy? Well, Isaiah prophesied saying that Jesus took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. How did he do that? By healing all that were sick. See, the only thing that fulfills Isaiah 53 before the cross is who it's for. And Jesus healed all that were sick to show the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that he himself will, in their day, accomplish through the sacrifice on the cross. If Jesus had only healed part of the people that came for healing, then we would have no way to know who Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 pertains to. But Jesus was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Now, how could we be healed through Jesus' work on the cross if he hadn't taken sickness and disease away through his sacrifice and substitute? In the same way that our iniquities and our transgressions are forgiven. Our infirmities are healed. And with the stripes, we are healed. Psalm 107. Psalm 107, beginning in verse 17. Fools, <coughs> fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near to the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saveth them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them, and delivered them out of their destructions. 
if anything belongs to the children of God, verse 20 of this 107th Psalm says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Notice it tells us the, the means or the method of healing of sickness and disease. He sent his word and healed them. Now Romans ten seventeen says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, therefore. And it's the only way that faith can come. Now I've seen people try to get faith every other way except through the word. Some people think they can get it by praying for it. Some people think you can get it by fasting. But faith comes by the word. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, we saw with the woman with the issue of blood in Jairus that their faith was utilized through the words that they spoke. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Folks, you can change your circumstance through your words. Your mouth can change your situation, even if it's incurable, even if it's impossible or looks to be impossible. Simply doing the word like the woman with issue of blood did, like Jairus did, and even like the leper did once Jesus expressed his will to heal. Each of those people took it personally. They took what they heard of or about Jesus and they made it work for themselves they included themselves in the, the, what the Bible says Jesus either said or did.
Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. In other words, what instruction he's giving us is instruction that the wise will follow. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Some of the greatest times of difficulty or trouble that I've experienced, both personally and for the church, have come about as a result of acting on Colossians 3.16. The confession of your faith is something that will bring miraculous results into your life. When you first start confessing or making your confession to change something in your life, It takes a while for that promise, whatever promise you're standing on, it takes a while from that promise to drop from your head to your heart. Through the years I've been asked on occasion, how do I know whether my faith is of my heart or it's still just in my mind. And for me, I could always tell by the situation that comes as a result of confessing the word. What I mean by that is You confess the word for a certain period of time, but God always gives you the victory. The victory of confessing the word comes when you you are impressed to sing. I think some people get caught up in confessing the word as a matter of works. But the word of God doesn't become faith through works. It becomes faith when it becomes a part of your heart. I can attest 
when the word led me to a place of singing victory, singing victoriously about whatever circumstance I'm applying the word to. So if whatever you're believing for has not yet happened, has not manifested in the physical realm, then stick with confessing the word until the song comes in your heart. Now, I'm not a singer, and I'm certainly not a songwriter. So I'm perhaps taking liberties with saying that I've been singing songs. But folks, your victory is in your is in the songs that you praise God with. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. Those could be songs you know or songs you don't know. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now we've seen numerous examples in the Old Testament that are given to us. The children of Israel defeated the Ammonites when Jehoshaphat called a fast and prayed. Then the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel and said, the battle is not yours with the Lord. Next morning, Jehoshaphat put the singers and the praisers out in front of the army. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said, ambushments. Now, what example is that to us if not something to follow? Somebody said the highest form of faith always ends in the glad confession. It's mine, I have it now. In Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that everybody was turned loose. The end of your faith is praise, not confession. And it's intended to be a way of life. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, Be careful for nothing. Don't be anxious or don't fret. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. It's telling us there that the end of our faith is thanksgiving, not confession. Now, confession is an important step, and you can't minimize it because of its great importance. But your confession is supposed to lead you into something else. Your confession is supposed to lead you into praise. Thanksgiving unto God. So Paul is telling the church at Philippi, just as he and Silas operated the first time that he came to the city, he's telling them, be careful for nothing. Don't let worry or anxiety enter into your life. Well, if we're not going to worry, what are we going to do? But my prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Let's be like that wise man that James speaks of, where we look into the perfect law of liberty. We accept who God says we are because he's the one that said it. We accept what God said that he would do, for his word is always true. And because we accept what his word has spoken or what he has spoken in his word, we make our request known unto him. We base our desires on the truth of his word. And we give him thanks for it before we see it happen. Because that's what brings it into seeing, the realm of seeing. Folks, I'm just, the, the further I go in this, the more and more I'm convinced. That if we just make an adjustment and turn our prayers into the prayers of thanksgiving. Things we've seen delayed some short-term, some long-term 
those things would come to pass so quickly that it would surprise us. Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. I know that's a change that God's making in me. I believe it's a change he wants to make in all of us. I am fully persuaded that if we emphasize the thanksgiving, we would see things we've never seen before. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Hallelujah. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for the things that we petitioned you for, for the things that we've applied our faith toward. We thank you for healing for our bodies, abundance in our lives. Thank you for peace that passes all understanding. We cast our cares over on you, Father, the whole of our cares once and for all. We refuse to worry, we refuse to fret, but because we trust in you and we believe in your word. We thank you for bringing it to pass. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for financial miracles and miracles of healing. In Jesus' name. We put your word first, Father. We incline our ear to your sayings. The word of God in and everything else out. For your words are life unto us for finding them and their health to all our flesh. Thank you, Father, for hearing and answering our prayers for honoring our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's all stand and we'll make our confession one more time. This is our year of jubilee. 
We expect manifestations of the Holy Ghost and power. We believe for financial miracles and miracles of healing in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for bringing these things to pass. Thank you, Father, for making these things real to each and every person that's here in each and every circumstance or difficulty they find themselves. Thank you, Father, that your word is true and that the victory is ours. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks.